Well, for everybody out there who doesn't know, I'm Chrissy Carpenter, and I host and produce a weekly talk show, and you're talking to the amazing Heidi Barnes, which probably most of you know her if you've been following her interviews, but if you haven't been following her interviews, I don't know where you've been, but Heidi's a published author, which is pretty amazing, and I have to say, you are not a self-published author on Amazon. You have, like, a publisher. Right. Way to go, girl. Thanks. Well, I'm lucky to have Rare Bird Books on my side, and I'm grateful that they even gave me the opportunity. (laughs) So I owe them the world. Yeah, so, you know, I know a lot of people out here in L.A. are, like, pursuing their dreams or pursuing their passions, and for someone like you who you kind of – followed your passion of writing you didn't always do it as, as a kid you you know you kind of got it as an adult you know how did you make that connection with rare bird books how did they help you out how did you get a publisher for those out there who are like i don't know what to do i've got words and i don't know where to put them well exactly well mine actually started 25 years ago i started writing i just at the age of eight i just had this passion i just something hit me and i said i have to write i have to write but i couldn't think of what to write about so it actually took me 25 years to write the first book because i was moving around the world and then the second book a year and a half i was just lucky um it was quite honestly just you know an opportunity that arose it just happened it fell on my plate and and so i'm grateful to rare bird for the opportunity so it's hard for me to to say exactly there's so many avenues one can pursue Mm -hmm. and I think you just have to pursue them all quite honestly because I find in the arts when it is your passion you just are going 100% no matter what and you're going to look at every avenue and you're not going to take no for an answer right absolutely and so with your second book, so you have your first book, which is The Bellman, and then you've got your follow-up now, which is The Bellman Secret. And I have read The Bellman, everyone. It's a great book, um, and I'm going to definitely read The Bellman Secret. But is it something where you knew you wanted to have a follow-up after you wrote the first one, or did the publisher approach you and was like, listen, this was killer. Like, you got any more inside of you? Or how did that happen? Well, originally, I was only going to write that one book. That was it, because it was very personal to me. And so I was only going to write that. But as I was writing it, I thought, oh, my gosh, I can see this carrying on. And so I I was approached to write a second novel as well. And I'm going to write a third. So it's going to be a trilogy. But when I was writing it, it just came out. I thought, this isn't the end of this. There's more going on. It could go on forever because it's a lot of fun. But what about you? Because you have so many talents. You have, you're an actress and you have a show and you write and produce and how did all that come about? Well, you know, I think kind of what you're saying when you're passionate about something, you pursue it and, and, you know, I, like so many others, I came to Los Angeles to pursue acting. I went to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts, which is an amazing school. If there's any like burgeoning actors out there and you really need to get your foot in and and learn what's up, that's definitely where you got to go. But you know, and I did the hustle that all the actors do, and I'm not opposed to it, but, you know, where you get your agent, you get your manager, you go on your auditions, you drive two hours across town for a three-minute interview, and they say you're amazing, and then you never hear from them again. I mean, that's just kind of how it is, but I feel like as technology has improved, it's just, for me, more fulfilling to create what you want to create. So, 
you know, I created my digital talk show, which is, you know, we're very unfiltered. We're female driven. We're all we also emphasize what's going on in the LGBTQ community. And we're offering a platform for people out there who are pursuing their passions and their dreams. And because we are unscripted and we are unfiltered, it gets crazy. It gets fun. It gets wild. But every time I have someone on, they always talk about how they had such a great time on the show. And I, I really started that just to help support all the other artists out here. And then like you, you know, writing, like if you want to create your own content, I mean, being a writer helps. And I've, and I have always enjoyed writing as well immensely. I've, you know, when I was a young kid, I would write poems and, you know, novel ideas and all that kind of stuff too. So I'm really into like writing and producing sketches and, you know, and I've been dabbling with doing a short series. So I feel like if you have something you want to do, you just, got to make it happen. So I'd rather just create my own content and pursue what I like and find people who want to hustle and work with me and make shit happen. <laughs> exactly. Well, I feel, you know, in the arts, I feel writing picked me. I didn't pick writing. And I feel, I imagine most people in the arts feel that way, that you just have to do it. I mean, nothing's going to stop you. Is that how you feel and what sparked I, I your... Do. Yeah, I just kind of, I guess, similar to you, I've always really enjoyed writing. I've always been able to express myself very well through it. Um, I find that I can tell a good story. You know, when I was in high school, I actually worked at the, the city newspaper, and I started as a typist, and then in my senior year, they were letting me interview people, and I was writing stories, and I was kind of, you know, doing the reporter thing, which was great. And then, yeah, like you, I just feel like it's an expression. You know, I always kept a diary or journals ongoing. And even with acting, when I prepare a character, for me, the best way to prepare a character and become very emotionally attached is through writing. So I will have, and I like to physically handwrite, not type. So I will write pages and pages of who they are and their backstory and how did they get to where they are and, you know, what their emotions are. And that's, for me, is the best way to connect to a character. And I think... Writing is really key for it for me personally. But yeah, I love writing. I've always loved writing as well. And yeah, you're right. It's, it's an expression of me and it's something that I, I can't not do. Wow, that, that's amazing. I just can't believe how multi-talented you are. That's, that's well, pretty uh, impressive. <laughs> you're what, but what kind of act? Do you do all sorts of acting? Do you do like show acting, movie acting, or is it? Yeah, I mean... You know, I did theater, and, I, and I'm totally not opposed to doing theater. And It's definitely a whole different animal because, you know, you've got to memorize your lines, and you're up there in front of the audience, and if you fuck up, then fix it. Figure it out. <laughs> Get the next line or help your, you know, help your other actor out if you see that they messed up. You know, you got to be quick on your feet. So that is very exciting about, about theater. And then when you get that applause, I mean, it's, it's very true. It's so gratifying and fulfilling. And then, you know, along with film, film's kind of amazing because – you can look at it through a lot of different angles. You can get your close-up. You can get your wide. You can get a lot of different shots to help you tell a story. And if you forget a line, it's cool, man. You just reshoot it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's good when you can reboot, <laughs> redo. Right? And I wanted to ask you, though, with your second book, you know, you do talk about Stan. He's got a love, right? He's got a relationship. And you kind of write about this relationship from, you know, a male perspective. For you as a female, did you just take, you know, your experiences and just how did you do it from a male perspective? Did you consult your son? What did you do? No, you know, it's funny you ask because when I started writing this over 25 years ago, I never thought of it through any other eyes than through a male 
a young male. That was it. And I, it never even dawned on me that it should be through a female, that I was a female writing it through males. I never even dawned on me until my editor said years, you know, later, which was only a few years ago, he said, don't you know that this young guy, the only thing that would be on his mind is sex? <laughs> and I thought, shoot, no, I didn't think about that. I wasn't thinking that far into it. So I had to, you know, kind of stump that in the first book. It's more, I bring it more into the second book because I realize realistically you have right. to really put yourself into these the young guy's eyes but no I never it never even dawned on me that it was a different sex never even did <laughs> now do you think it's because I know you know this book parodies a lot of your life growing up you know on the east coast and everything did was there a, a male that you were close friends with in your own real life that who lined up to stand or you didn't really have that no I didn't really have that because I was always I was always equally friends with males as females so okay. they were both really good friends so I didn't veer towards one or the other and I always had great friends in both sexes so there wasn't one particular person mm -hmm. uh, but I do have two brothers as well and trust me I've taken trips and I've heard some <laughs> things that I'd rather not have heard <laughs> so that probably helps right right as right. well but now listen, now your show though, Females Unfiltered, because it's fantastic and I've been on it before mm -hmm. and it is so much fun because you never know what's going to come out of anybody's mouth. Um, how did that all begin? Because that's quite innovative. You know, it's definitely been a, a progression. You know, I feel like there's, for those who are in the tech industry, right, there's a term where people say pivot. So if you have an idea, and it's not going exactly as you want it. You have to be willing to pivot it or get it to go a different direction. And I think in general with success, that's very prevalent. You know, you can have this idea that you love and you think it's amazing, but you always have to be evaluating it. You always got to be thinking, how can I make it better? Is this what my audience wants? Is this, am I getting out of it? Am I delivering what I want? And if you're not, you got to be willing to pivot or do things differently. And really, it started years ago when I, I used to do a podcast with a guy who was really kind of bananas. And I ended up, I mean, he was psychotic. <laughs> so I, and I just realized I was doing so much work for him. And then I thought, this is not what I even want to be doing. These are not my ideas. This is, you know, I could do this shit myself. So I parted ways with him. And I originally started as a podcast. And we were more, we were a longer form. And we were more into the interview. And we just didn't have as much definition. And I had a male co-host. And I wasn't quite as defined as, you know, taking a stand for women or those in the LGBTQ community as I am now. And I think I was just finding my way. And so then out of the podcast, I, I ended up transferring and having a female co-host. And then I started to realize, you know, I really, I feel just, I'm a big ally of the LGBTQ community. I've got friends and family who are part of it. And I wanted to shine more light on them and, and help tell their story. But I always, at the heart of it, always wanted to be a platform for people pursuing their passions and their dreams. And I could come on and I could support them and they could talk about how they got started and, and the shit they overcame. And we could laugh and I could swear and no one was going to tell me what I could or couldn't do. So, <laughs> and then from there and then this last year, I just, you know, I changed the name. We're now Females Unfiltered and it's really because... We have on women who just aren't in the entertainment industry, but if it's any woman who is who's doing great things in her field, she's welcome to come 
month. So I've kind of broadened the horizon a little bit more when it comes to women. And I always make sure in some way to have either an LGBTQ guest or one of my revolving segments is someone from the LGBTQ community or a current event we talk about is something from there. So I'm just, you know, I feel really good about where it's at now. And now I actually have four revolving women as co-hosts. So I'm, I'm giving more opportunity to women and, and they're all, you know, women of color, which I love. And so it's, it's, it's good. I feel really good about it now. And, but I'm always looking at it. How can it be better? How can I change it? You know, how can I make some more money off of it? How does, how do we make this thing work for everyone? But it's, it's a process. And I think part of it is, you know, sometimes I get discouraged. I think like everybody else, but luckily I have some people who, who really believe in me and, and they've articulated that to me. And really at the end of the day, sometimes I'm, I know it sounds so cheesy, but I'm like, you know, if these people have been loyal to me, they've helped me out, they've stepped in, and I really need to get it where I want it to go so I can, you know, help them out, so I can pay them back. So it's it's great to have that support. So I guess, you know, it's a hybrid, and you got to pivot when you got to pivot. Well, exactly. But that's that's really phenomenal that you that you do that. You're an incredible host because I've seen numerous of your shows and I admire you for helping others pursue their dreams because there's so many out there of us that want to pursue our dreams. And it's hard. Like you asked me earlier, where do you go? How do you start? It's just I think you just plug away, plug away, plug away and look at every possible direction you can. And I think also remember, have fun with it. Just have fun with it because there is a lot of seriousness to it because it is your passion. Um, so it, it comes from the heart, but you also just have to sort of let go a bit and have fun with it. Do as much as you can in every direction and, and, uh, just keep plugging away. You know, that's, that's how I feel. Now you recently took a trip to Iceland, I hear. I did go to Iceland. That sounds amazing. It was, I mean, I really wanted to go because I had seen just so many pictures of nature, how nature was there. And I just had this. The really strong desire inside of me that I just wanted to be out in nature in Iceland. So I went and, and it, it was gorgeous and I experienced a lot of amazing things. I mean, their wind in and of itself is insane. I hiked to some remote cliffs. I mean, I took a boat out amongst glaciers. It was really great. My only, my only, I shouldn't say regret, but the only downside I should say is that I was very hungry the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, I'm someone who primarily eats, uh, you know, chicken or turkey or beef. And really, they they just eat lamb and pork primarily or even puffin or whale. And none of those things are are palate. So, but it was, it was amazing, though, in and of itself. <laughs> well, that's pretty neat. I need a holiday myself, but I don't have time to go away. Well, I keep trying and I just, I can't. What? You do, you just pick a place and book a ticket. Was, I know, but I can't. I have too awesome. many things in the way. There's just too many uh, factors. I have to be such and such, such and such a date. So I'm just going to plan a staycation, but I'm going to have a really good staycation. And it's starting this weekend and so, maybe on a boat. Okay. I was going to say, when you do a staycation, do you, like, stay in your house or you go to a city that's oh. nearby? Oh, no, no, no. I won't stay in my house. I will stay. I will come back to my house or maybe I won't. Maybe I'll book a local hotel, but I will do things around the area or maybe I go to Santa Barbara, but somewhere not too far in case I need to get back and take a flight somewhere because that's sort of the position I'm in. But I need a vacation. So if I can't have one, it's going to be a staycation and I, I'm going to make the most of it. 
And you're welcome to join if, if well, you have. Have you been to Catalina Islands? No, I have not. Oh, that is the perfect staycation. Oh, really? Uh, you just you go drive down to Long Beach. You get on the boat there. Long Beach is close, right? It's 40 minutes away. Uh-huh. And you take a boat one hour across the ocean, and you are on a very cute island. And they've got all these little bars. They've got very pretty hotels. There's right there on the water, and it's it's great. So in an hour and a half, you can be on an island, girlfriends. So if you oh gotta get back. Oh my gosh! Okay, that's it. That's where I'm going. You should go. I've been <laughs> yeah, I've been trying to go back. I went a couple of years ago for my dad's uh, birthday. We surprised him, and I, ever since then, I'm like, I gotta get myself back to Catalina. <laughs> oh my god, that sounds amazing. I've got to do that. That's for sure. That's on my list because you can just go for a couple nights, right, or even a night. Absolutely. I mean, there are people who go for the day. I mean, oh really? Even, but yeah, go for go for like two nights. You'll feel so rejuvenated. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, that's that's where I'm going. That's where I'm at. Do it. Oh my god. Will you now, be solo? You're gonna bring your kids along. Oh God, no! I'm going solo. <laughs> I love my kids. I love my kids, but, but no, I'm going solo. What? <laughs> Everybody needs a break. <laughs> I know your kids are older and self-sufficient, but did you find it was difficult juggling, you know, being a mom and plus you've got, you know, you're a landlord and you got kids. Was that difficult or they understood? Well, they understood, but because well, of course we were moving around the world so much, but primarily at the end in Canada, but they understood, but I was, my primary focus was always a mother. It yeah. just always was that has always come first and then everything else comes afterwards. So I, I go a little bit crazy with the kids. I still, even though they're older, I treat them like they're little and I still do all the birthday stuff and the hats and the balloons and the sign on the door and all this silly stuff. Cause I'm never going to outgrow that. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'm ever going to grow up is the point. You know- well, for sure, you know, I have, um, a lot of people don't know this about me, but I, you know, I helped raise some children with a, a man I used to be in a relationship with, and they're older now, and they're, and I still, to this day, you know, I'm like, who wants to carve a pumpkin? Who wants to carve a pumpkin? And they're all looking at me like, not really, and I'm like, thank you Please. It's so funny. I know that's so funny because I used to do that. We had a can- we built a candy house every year, yeah. and then one year we built a candy village, which was like huge. We had everything, houses and cars and trains. And but then as they got older, I'm like, come on, let's do the candy house, and they're like, nah, don't have time, don't have time. <laughs> so I ended up doing the candy house on my own. You know, that was me last year at Halloween. I I was like, who wants to carve pumpkins? And they were all kind of like, I mean, I guess. So I got all the pumpkins. We all sat down, and none of them even did it. They all, like, half-heartedly did it. They were watching TV. They were on their phone. And I was like, oh, nobody wants to carve pumpkins anymore. <laughs> so sad. I know. They're too busy. They move on. But then eventually, when they get a little bit older, they come back, and then they want to carve those pumpkins and you know and, what? Um, make those candy houses again. I just gotta wait till they hit their mid twenties, and we'll be good. <laughs> it will exactly. And then mine are about reaching there. Well, coming up there. <laughs> They're yeah. on their way. <laughs> hey, now you and I have a, a common interest. I'm so fascinated because I know you told me a long time ago that you grew up. Well, you, your formative years in Saudi Arabia. Yes. Yes, this is true. And you didn't you spend some time in the Middle East? 
I did in Dubai. In Why? Dubai. So yeah. what ages were you there at? I was there ages 12 to about 15 and a half. And, wow. uh, you know, it, it was, to me, it was an amazing experience. I mean, yes, you live by the laws of the country. At the time, you know, women could not drive. You know, yes, I had to wear, they call it an abaya, which is the black robe covering your body. But, you know, to me, what still stands out so strongly in my mind is I went to an international school. There's about 40 different nationalities in my school. And there was almost this innate thing amongst everybody where I just don't remember there being any bullying. I, you know, I mean, people had, you know, groups they hung out with, but there was no, like, mean girls group, jock group. None of that existed. Everybody would go around to each other's groups. And there was just such, I feel like, a respect and understanding of people's culture, of their color, of where they came from, of their religion. And I loved it. I just loved the friendships that I had there. I actually cried when I had to move back to the United States. I was so furious with my father. And still to this day, I, I have still nurture a lot of those friendships. I still see a lot of people that I knew from Saudi Arabia. And I think it just helped me be a very open-minded individual in every way. And and that's why when I moved to a small town after, I mean, it was really like hell for me. I was miserable there. Um, but I loved it. And I, you know, I love the pe people there. And now that, you know, they're starting to let tourists back in here soon, I'm really considering going back to visit because I still have not found a shawarma that's as good as those ones in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> I used to eat those too as well. And you know oh what? my! Did they put French fries in them in Dubai? Because they put French no, fries. No, I don't remember French fries in them. No. They French fries in them, but here in America, no, nobody puts French fries in them, and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, they really are good. Oh my gosh, have they carved that off? Yeah, yeah that's fantastic. You know, and that—that's amazing that you say that about the bullying because it's such an issue here in North America, and I'm not sure, probably around the world, most places. It's just terrible, and it always concerns me. And when having written, you know, the Bellman, the Bellman Secret on a young boy, in those days, it was tough enough growing up when we were growing up. But now you have the cell phones, the internet, and all these avenues. And I have a real concern for kids today growing up in this environment where they can be bullied so much. And God, you know, I wish I could think of a way to put a stop to it. My, my parents always instilled in me, probably two of the greatest things they instilled in me was you be nice to everyone. You smile and you be nice to everyone. And that was so important. And the other thing, because I saw people being unkind to kids growing up. And the other thing was just be yourself. Just be yourself. Those were the only two things they really, really instilled in me. And I think they're important avenues for anybody in life to remember, you know, just be nice to everyone and, and be yourself. Don't try and be somebody else because it never works. When you try and be somebody, and you always say that, actually. I've heard you say that a number of times, just be you. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's something that's hard. I mean, I think people logically understand that, but right. I think that's a little harder, you know, to, especially if, you know, let's say you're in a relationship with someone that you're madly in love with, but you compromise a lot of yourself to make the relationship work, and and you want to be with them, but you know, maybe you're not wholly aligned as individuals. And I think it really takes just life experience for you to go, right. you know what? 
this is who I am, and if you're not okay with it, then I guess you're not meant to be in my space, and that's okay, because the right people will be in my space that are meant to be in my space, and I think that's, I think that's a kind of a hard lesson to, to learn inside of yourself. You know, I'm, I yeah. think I'm in there, and I'm happy that I am. <laughs> well, exactly. Well, that's true. It probably comes easier with age, as you say that, but, but it was interesting that my parents instilled that in me at such an early age. They kept repetitively saying those two phrases. So that, I think, helped, even though it is difficult, especially in the formative years. You're kind of like, who, being myself, well, who am I? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it takes a, a while to figure out who you are. But eventually, you know, if you work on it, you work on it. You get to where you began and should have always been. Right, absolutely. And do you know what? Therapy never hurts, guys. I'm not knocking it. Don't knock it till you try it. <laughs> <laughs> I've not tried it, but maybe in the future I will. <laughs> I have. I went to therapy for about six years, and I think it was really integral with, with helping me get through some things. So, you know, sometimes you just got to. It's nice to have that person to bounce things off of. And also, you know, I had seen a program of yours about you were going to meditate. Have you started that? Oh, no. I haven't done it. <laughs> okay. I knew you were going to say that. I just knew it. And Shame thought, on you. Shame I, on you, girl. <laughs> I thought because I told the, the woman, her name is Megan Hahn, and she's a great advocate for women. She's got a, a an alcohol brand. But in any case, I told her, I said, next time I see you, I will have started meditating. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> Well, I'm trying. I'm trying, and it's really helpful. Um, I, I can't say I'm consistent with it. But just, yeah. you know, every morning you're supposed to just quiet your mind and uh, just just not try not to think any thoughts, which is really hard. Yeah. But eventually, I think with practice, they say you get there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then everything you want comes into your world. That's, <laughs> That's what they say. <laughs> So I'm working on that. That's what they do say. Everybody seems to be saying it now. The secret and saying it, yeah. So maybe there's some truth behind it. I I have yet to find out. <laughs> well, we'll work on it. I'm gonna check with you next time I see you. That's all right. We got to do a follow up. Okay. Yeah. Follow follow up appointments. That's right. That's right. And then I hate to say it, Heidi, but I think we've been chatting for about 30 minutes, girlfriend. I know. I know. We have to go. Ooh, but, you know, is there a place if people want to buy your book, if it sounds good, if they want to get into that mystery and does Stan get lucky, guys? I don't know. Maybe. Like, where? where oh, he, luck is uh, a big part of the Bellman secret. Luck is really <laughs> in there. So, yeah, it's it, where all books are sold at all the uh you know, um, boutique bookstores or also online, uh, with Amazon and, and your females on unfiltered show, where do they go for that to find out what your programs are? Sure. I mean, the best place really is just to go to our website and it's, it's exactly as it sounds, femalesunfiltered.com. And we got everything there. Perfect. Okay. I'm going to look at that again. Oh, and I forgot to say, I do have the Bellman's Book Facebook page as well. And so that's out there, and I'm going to get my website going again soon. Good. And, everyone, Heidi's going to come on Females Unfiltered as soon as she's ready to talk about the Bellman secret, and then, you know, we'll, we'll get some more insight out of her. Well, we're not, we're not going to reveal the secret, however. Oh. 
No, we're not going to reveal the secret. Everybody has a secret, but some are meant to be kept and some are meant to be revealed. No, we're not. <laughs>